Karen Wright. It is 931 and joining me now is our great friend Miss Barb Lampson gardening with Barb and Karen. Good morning Barb. Hey good morning Karen and it is a beautiful sunshiny morning and you know what I love that we have celebrations. We celebrate monthly recognizing different diverse groups and people and this month is National uh, Women's History Month. Yes. And hey, listen, um, who could be more influential in a family uh, than uh, grandmothers, aunties, um, mothers? Uh, and they pass on this wonderful information to us. And I know that much of my gardening information that I got came from both my grandmother, who gardened and had a huge family, and uh, also from my mom, and one of my fondest memories of gardening as a child was I was one of six children, uh, being third from the top, and when we went out in the spring, my mother would bring an old green army blanket, and she would, we had conifer trees, she would put that down, and one of the older children would sit with the two youngest the baby and the toddler but they everybody came to the garden together ah is that is that was so absolutely nice and everybody had this this part in in gardening whether they pulled the wagon out there with the uh, tools and things or they pulled the wagon out there with a cream can full of water or seeds or went up and down the uh, the rows and planted potatoes, dropping the potato in and getting it in. I mean, that was a big thing. And uh, for all the women that are teaching their children to cook, um, talking about the environment, um, keeping them advised, uh, we salute the women. Absolutely. And you know what? Learning to plant potatoes was one of my first jobs as a little kid. I remember my parents always saying, make sure the eye is up. And then if it was a small eye, I remember my dad saying, maybe put two in just in case. And then and then he would uh, cover them up. He would have all the the, um, hills dug. And then our job after was to tamp it down. So we would just get up and jump up and down. (laughs) Yes, yes, right. And, And here was the thing for us. As my mom dug these rows, if we would find angleworms, we absolutely <laughs> had to pick them up and get them into a can because just maybe we could go down and oh. catch some fish. Oh, that's it was cool. always hope in the back of our mind. Which, you know, Karen, another thing I just want to um, talk about today and recognize is, you know, we have people that just simply volunteer because it is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And when I received the Free Press this week and I read about the Madison Lake um, Lake Association and their group, that they had to go onto the ice yes. and they cleaned up the ice and they found, they found cans, they found insulation, they found wooden blocks, and they also found even a plastic bag with dead minnows in it. And I thought... It is such a privilege to have these lakes, and it's yes. something that we need to protect. Everybody has to be aware of. So if you're fishing, if you're on the ice, for heaven's sakes, take the time 
to clean up after yourself. And that's true if you're going into the forest or wherever you're going. But congratulations to the Madison Lake Watershed and Lake Association. If you know anyone there that was part of this, please thank them for all of us. Oh, yeah, you know, and it takes so many people to to, um, make a difference. And, you know, because some people just are thoughtless and then the, the others come up come behind and have to clean up after them so thank you yes for their for their service really yes, and you know wonderful. thank you to the people that the the whole idea of uh, lake associations when we were on lake jefferson which was many years ago we had a lake association it there's a responsibility mm-hmm. if your land uh, uh, fronts on a lake there is a responsibility but it isn't just the homeowners. It's the people that are in that watershed, too, mm. what they do. Because, you know, water just finds its own path, and a lot of times it drains towards our lakes. So big job for all of us. But if everybody is conscious of that, we will have fresh and clean water uh, in the future for future generations. And I'm part of, I know, the, the Lake Washington uh, Watershed Improvement uh, committee and and it just there's so many people out there volunteering and making things happen so yeah all those folks deserve kudos so that's thanks for mentioning that barb so barb i wanted to let you know what's going on in my, on in my house you know i planted some seeds because it was been too early to plant most seeds but i planted and i know people are going to say what in the world was i thinking but i planted some dandelion seeds but these are for pink dandelions with uh, yellow centers and they are up barb and they are known to not be invasive like the other ones they kind of mind their their business and they're unique and then i've also i've got my little impatience i started from seed up as well and i planted a whole bunch of blue fescue grass seeds because you know you can buy a clump but they're oh 10 or more dollars per clump and i've got i think 30 some that i'm starting from seed and i've done that before and they're beautiful so i thought well it just takes time to do it and um you know with the um, the amount of money i spend on plants already and dirt and things i figured (laughs) i could at least save a little so i'm really excited to see that so the seeds are up put them on the mat with the heating pad underneath now that they're up i take the heating pads out and then right. I, I put the light, I've got a special plant light over top of them that I'm, you know, four to six inches and keep them moist. And now when <laughs> they get their second set of, I guess, true leaves is what you call it, then I yeah. will put them in another uh, little smaller pot, but with potting soil instead of the seed starting mix. So they'll, sure. otherwise they don't really have any nutrients in that seed starting mix. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm going to be starting my peppers probably this week. And then uh, wait probably a while before I do my tomato seeds. Well, yeah, at least until the middle of April. Right. Because they, they, they get tall so incredibly fast. You know, one of the things that's really critical with seed starting is when you're going to move them, when they get those true, that they're, they're true leaves. So they have that, um, the, the first leaves that come up, and then they, they have another set, and they're usually across from each other, so you know that. Then what you do, what I use is a plastic fork, oh. and I go all the way around on four sides of that little cube, loosen it up there, and then go underneath it, keeping all that soil on that plant, and then drop that into another container that is sterile, that has good uh, drainage uh, and uh, and it's got 
uh, sterile soil in it too. Barb, how long does it usually take till they get their second leaves? Because, you know, I haven't really done seeds in a long time, so I'm trying to recall. You know, my little dandelions just have those two little, the the initial starter, yeah. starter yeah. leaves, as I guess I call them. So I'm just curious, yeah. how long yeah, does that it, usually happen? It, it, it You know, it kind of depends on what it is. Just watch, but you'll know that these are the true leaves, and, and uh, they just... They don't want to be moved before they get those. Well, and I also put a fan on them. Is it too early for the fan yet? Well, don't put it directly on them, oh. but put it so the air is moving around them. Okay. Because otherwise you're going to dry them out, Karen. But, I mean, do I wait till the second set of leaves are, or is it okay now when they're the little uh, initial leaves for the fan, or should I wait a little I, bit? I, I think I think you could wait a little while oh, okay. yet. But if you see, I mean... Uh, one of the things you have to watch for right now are those uh, fungal gnats because when the soil is moist and it's warm, boy, if you even have one fungal gnat in your house, they will find this nice, warm, moist soil, and they'll come and lay eggs. So that Now, I did put some cinnamon on the soil because I read something that that can help with some of the fungus stuff. And so whether it has or not, I mean, I did it, so I thought, we'll see. Yeah, but you can also, if you've got indirect, um, some indirect movement of the air, mm-hmm. that also keeps them away. You know, okay. it's just like a little tornado keeping them away. So, okay, uh, okay. So, I'll so do that as well. I am. Uh, I was out in the yard, uh, just <laughs> walking, just looking, and uh, I thought, I don't remember the soil being so hard. It's just oh. so frozen yet. Yep. And then a day later. It was a little, not quite so much, but now my, um, uh, uh, the area that I have for uh, growing in that raised bed that I have, which uh, that, I lifted up the lid on that, and that was just hard as a rock, and I would like to get that um, warmed up. I might put uh, some black plastic in there so that it uh, maximizes the amount of heat because I want to work in some more compost in there. And then I want to put the lettuce and the radishes and the spinach in there. How about peas? Do you start peas? Because I I think I'm going to be putting my peas out pretty soon and starting to cold uh, them in a cold sewing. You know, um, I don't know if if I'm going to do that because with peas, they grow fairly fast and if I would get a cold snap in April I have to put the lid down and you and they're already taller so that oh, okay. it, you know it doesn't work putting the lid down on them maybe so, wait a little then huh yeah I will I will and so I think what I'm going to do is uh, just hold off on that you know I can't wait to get this big bunch of lettuce or this fresh bouquet of radishes and the spinach and you just it's just like eating sunshine they're so <laughs> they're so rich with all those nutrients and things well i um attended one of my my master gardener classes last night and the uh, topic was woody plants which you know, includes trees shrubs and some vines mm-hmm. and so one of the things i ask is i want to transplant a dwarf carmine cherry tree because this is an example of somebody putting a plant in the wrong place 
Mm-hmm. And um, I did it because it was one of those things where I didn't know where else I was going to put it, and it was a blank spot. And I'm like, well, I'll just get this in the ground. Well, then <clears throat> two years later, I realized it's too big for the spot. So I asked on the, the um, experts last night on the thing is like, well, should I transplant it? And of course, the answer is no if you don't have to. But if you do, they said now, like as in now, I should dig it up before the buds break and transplant it. So I, I haven't gone to see how the soil is. I don't know if I can even dig through it. And I know you're not supposed to when it's wet, but basically they said, if you want to do that, I should uh, be doing that now. So I'm kind of wondering, what what do you think of that? You know, I would be very careful because <clears throat> if, um, if the soil is at all frozen and it's down a ways and the roots go down a ways, yeah. you might break some of them off. I really do like to take things when they're dormant, but I like to wait. There's a time between when the soil is warming, the frost is going out, and the plant or the tree hasn't broke dormancy yet. Before those buds open up, that's, I think when I would take it, I would just, I wouldn't rush it too much, Karen, right now, because unless you have a microclimate where you're digging it, um, I would say it's the, the frost is really in the ground yet, and you might break something off. Oh, you know, and th- this is, they basically said, and of course, it takes about three years before uh, many fruit trees, like even the dwarf, will even start to produce any fruit. So, of course, I am it had it in two years, and this would be the year it would start to get fruit. So I'm going to basically, like I said, it's like starting it over again. So I'm going to have to wait another <laughs> three years by moving this. So just goes to show you, don't do like I did. Uh, make sure you have the p- right plant for the right place. And um, like I always do too, Barb, I see plants, and I'm like, I, I'll find a place for it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what I'm looking for now? What? Some of the first uh, annuals to come to the market usually are oh. the pansies. Yes. And they can really take a lot of cold. Mm-hmm. It is surprising, but um, and I love to get just uh, enough so I can put together a pot and, and uh, put it outside someplace. So, so watch for the pansies. When the pansies come, you know, the rest of the vegetables and flowers will be coming right behind them. Right, and also the, the Johnny Jump Up, the violas, they're kind of in that same family. Oh, yes. And, you know, the... The Johnny Jump Ups. I mean, they're such a welcome sight. In my garden, they come up every year by themselves mm. because I don't go digging around and disturbing the seeds. I just let them be. Now, when I was outside, I did um, uh, along the border between the grass and my perennial garden, I had some taller things coming up, and I could sit on the grass and I could cut them off. It would be good now to get those things out, but not if you have to enter and be stepping on the soil because, you know, you just squeeze out all the oxygen and that's not good. Right, yeah. So uh, other things you're you're going to be up to, Barb? Anything else? Well, well you know, I'm reading all the time. Right. And, and I'm, I'm learning new things all the time and, and little bits of, of information. I used to grow comfrey in my garden. Yeah, what is that and what is it for? Well, you can use it for uh, comfrey, uh, for tea and different things like that. But I found that the comfrey root itself went so deep and it was taking up too much room, I didn't appreciate it. But now I'm reading and I found out that if you make 
comfrey tea for the plants. It only takes 24 hours. You take like a big plastic bucket or a stainless steel bucket, five gallons, put water in it, and and then you take the leaves off from the comfrey plant, put them in there, and just like if you were making tea for yourself, let them soak until the next day. Strain that out. And if you have plants, uh, for example, your phlox that have a tendency to get powdery mildew, getting that on, because powdery mildew has to be prevented before you see that mildew on the plant, and giving them a good dose of that, that will prevent that. It will also work on your peonies to, to give them a good dose of this comfrey tea to prevent the mildew. So um, I'm going to reintroduce comfrey again. I think I'm going to just find a spot where, where it can just do whatever it wants to. It doesn't have to be controlled at all. But it seems like a very beneficial plant to the garden. Hey, and it also blooms, and the pollinators like it. Okay, so another one to try is comfrey. Yep, comfrey. So uh, if somebody offers you a root, I mean, understand that it's going to take some space, but but it's going to be beneficial to you as well. And then uh, when we were at our Master Gardener meeting last week, it was interesting. Our extension agent, Shane, was talking about uh, answering a question, actually, for for jumping worms. And he said uh, the jumping worms do not like heat. And he said if you would find a spot where you have jumping worms in the soil, one of the things you can do is use black plastic and let that heat up, solarize them. You will knock them out that way. So if you have a suspicious spot, you know, you might want to try that. It's also when you kill something like that, maybe you're taking out something that's good as well. True, yes, you have to be careful. But the jumping worm is a concern, and we did talk about at that meeting, if we are going to do a plant sale again, you can't just dig it up out of the garden and put it in a pot, because what if there are any of those cocoons from the jumping worms? So one of the things, and we've done this with the Hasa Society as well, is you, if you pull up a plant, you have to basically knock all the dirt off, wash the roots in like a a diluted uh, bleach, chlorine, Yes. Uh, um, solution. Solution. Yeah, yeah solution. Yeah. To try and make sure there aren't any. And, you know, that, I'll be honest with you, I was thinking about that. That's a lot of work. So, I mean, because yeah. it's so easy just to go to your garden and take a shovel and say, here, Barb, you can have this part of this plant yeah. versus. Yep. So, I, I, you do have to be careful, though. And the more I learn, the more I realize that I'm going to try and make sure that I buy from places that, that uh, are careful about. I guess it's called plant hygiene, is really what it's called. Yeah, it is plant hygiene. Yeah. But solar resolution, uh, again, it comes down to uh, being in tune to nature and understanding how things work. Uh, and then just don't, it's like taking, if you get a cold, they don't give you an antibiotic because that won't do any good and, and it may be more harmful to you. Right. So, so understand that. You know, as always, um, the extension office is wonderful. There's such a repository for. Uh, anything you might be curious about, anything you're wondering about, uh, give them a call. They, they, 
It's all free. They don't charge for their information. And Shane will get back to you if he's not in the office. He will email you. He will call you. Just really very fortunate to have him. Oh, yeah. You know, and I wish more people would use it. I think the people don't realize that it's a free service. And right. so, you know, that that is true. Call your extension. Or if you have questions about trees or things like that. And speaking of trees, we still haven't had, we were trying to get our uh, friend to help cut down our ash tree. We still haven't done that because um, we have the emerald ash borer in Blue Earth County. And since our tree isn't that big, I'm going to cut my losses by cutting it down. But we also talked about in our, our meeting last night on the, the Master Gardener group that there are ways to treat them, but it can be expensive. So if, sure. It, but sure. if it's a valuable tree, let's say it's your main tree in your yard um, that provides the, the main shade, that might be something worth uh, saving. But in my case, it's kind of off to the side. It's got enough trees around there. So... All those well, you things. know, Karen, we're going to have just a wonderful program coming up, our Spring Alive program. Oh, yes. Yeah, talk about <laughs> that. We're going to have a speaker talking about uh, the changes, uh, the climate change that we're seeing and and um, different trees that will be successful. Uh, and that's, um, I believe the first one is April 9th. And we'll have more information about that for people at the uh, Blue Earth County Library. Uh, come and ask your questions. If you're wondering anything uh, to do with trees, um, you'll have a chance to uh, ask and uh, listen to other people's questions. <clears throat> the other thing that we talked a little bit about on uh, last uh, week at our meeting was uh, uh, tree wrap. It's, it's time to take off the tree wrap now. So right. that big, heavy plastic stuff that you put on a tree, mm-hmm. you want to be very careful with that when you're taking that off that you don't scar up the tree. <clears throat> now, the the paper wrap, you can leave that on longer for when we have these nights when it gets cold. It's been warm in the daytime. It's cold at night, and the... Um, sap of the tree stays up mm-hmm. and and then we see cracking on the uh, bark of the tree and we see damage so you don't have to take that down but you could you could start looking at the plastic if you put that um, I guess it's plastic it's, it's yeah it's a type of plastic you know but it's interesting you just brought that up because last night as we talked about woody plants that was one of the discussions and one of the discussions by the the tree experts at that program was that the best wrap that you can use is that that um, corrugated plastic stuff and the, that the paper wrap is not as good so right, right. so they uh, said they highly recommend yeah i think it's safer karen and it's easier to put on i think the whole trick with that is getting that off and not leaving it throughout the year because you think about the moisture and that that gets oh, back behind and that insects plastic. and things and you know we had one at the lake house that they had put a plastic thing on and and nobody had removed it and it actually grew in the tree so it's part of the tree now the the plastic that was around it and you can't get it out so that's not really great for the tree either no, that would be very, very painful. They also talked about uh, how some of our beneficial insects, uh, when you have mulch around your tree, especially if you've got leaves and things like that, some of those beneficial insects, they're in that top few inches of mulch. Don't go raking that off. Just leave that on there the way it's accumulated so that they can survive and get up to be beneficial to you. 
Oh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that about don't rake because a lot of the snow has melted off. And I can picture now on the warm weekends, uh, always, every year I see this because once the snow's gone, they're like, oh, look at this gross. This is dirty. And then I'll see people out there raking their yards, raking the leaves and the grass. Don't do it. It's just not a good thing with this wet stuff. You're going to kill the baby grass that's trying to get up and you're going to compact the soil. So I think we want to make sure we emphasize that too. Yeah, exactly. And hey, you know what? It may be time to take a look at your bird feeders. Maybe after using them all winter, they need to be now dumped and cleaned out for safety for the birds. And yesterday, my husband took a trip over to New Prague and he saw a flock of um, blackbirds flying around. And while he was on his trip, I was watching our feeder, and I think I saw a red-winged blackbird sitting in there. So that must be a migratory bird, and they must be coming back. Well, I've so we've seen the entire trees filled with birds, and you know I'm not sure what they are, but yeah, I definitely think there's movement going on. Hey, Barb, we're almost done, but I wanted to let people know to save the date if you want to go to a good garden talk next Saturday. I know we've got the local ones coming up next month, but this one is next Saturday as a part of the North Star Lily Society. They oh, are yeah. going to be having Larry Farr. Um, he's the guy that does the uh, Let's Get Growing on Channel Five. And based on the hundreds of questions that he receives each year, he's going to do a talk that looks at the trends in gardening and how many of them are related to the new natural, which includes a less is more approach to gardening, including the use of native plants, soil health and more. And it's it's up in the city. So if you you want to make a little trip, it's next Saturday at one thirty is his talk. And that is at the Bachman's at Lindale and well, it's on the Bachman's on Lindale. It's six. It's sixty ten Lindale Avenue South in Minneapolis. And then that's only just a little over an hour drive up there. So just FYI, that's open to the public and it's free. And I'll be up there. I don't know about you, but um, yep, I'm I'm going to be there. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't miss that talk for anything. Now I'm going to start watching for his program. He actually broadcasts live from his farm which will be nice to see that, too. Yeah. To see things actually growing. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, that sounds great. Here's just one more quick thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know that when you belong to the State Lily Society, which is so cheap, I think we spend pay $10 for two years. Yeah. Is that right? All right. Did you know that then you get a free pass you to go to the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. You know, that's funny. I did not know that before. You know, I've been a member for a while, and I think it's what they've got deals with, like, the Hassa Society as well. But, yeah, I mean, you get a free pass, and then I think family members get to go, too, or something, right? Up to eight people you yeah. can take with you. Now, at the Landscape Arboretum, you must make appointment in advance. You can't just go to the gate and go in anymore. Right. So, but, hey, that makes it even better you get this free pass you can go up you can check on whatever it is you're just passionate about and you can still get all these go to these meetings for the lily society and get new information about that and what a bargain and you also get the uh benefit of getting a chance to uh, get lily bulbs at the sale before they actually <laughs> go on sale to the public so if you have a specific thing in mind something special same with the hostile society so uh, that's why i love being a part of these and like you said it's so inexpensive to be a member Right, exactly. So this week, get out and do some gardening, 
And as always, we love hearing from our listeners. If you have questions, you know, you can always call us at the station. Uh, you can get my phone number from them, and you can call me at home. But we love talking to you. Right. Well, great. It's always great to chat with you, Barb. We will be back with you next week, okay? Okay. Thanks, Karen. Yep. And happy gardening. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Ah, our good friend Barb Lampson. I love that lady. She's just awesome. It's uh, Garden people are generally very, very nice people, I've found. It is just about 10 o'clock, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at KMSU.org, broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato, big ideas and real world thinking. Let's see, 39 degrees here on the campus at Minnesota State.